Hello. 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 Oh, I think uh, my audio is correct. How about I, that? Mine too. I feel we I, we we fixed it. It's uh, after 270, 75, 276. We or more. I don't know. How <laughs> whatever, many, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Um, it, it took that long. That's what. Well, took, but here's the thing. It might not be fixed uh, next time because no. uh, technology is hard. Technology is hard. Uh, um, we're we're here. Um, we just uh, we just had another uh, food food safety talk call a couple minutes ago. Uh, <laughs> so um, yeah, what's uh, what's going on? What's going on with you? Well, and, you know, there's a really interesting paper that I saw recently <laughs> on uh, Terra. I was um, gonna. You, yeah. you want to talk about that? Should we start I, with that? I for sure do. So, uh, what, where, what's, what's this paper called? Let me, let me repull this back up. Um, so Tara for our, our listeners is, uh, is a fun, fun little, uh, flower that's high in protein that, uh, certainly looks like according to a paper that was published in chemical research in toxicology was the, the, the ingredient that was uh, most likely, uh, it led to uh, 393 adverse illness complaints and 133 hospitalizations uh, linked to uh, daily harvest uh, um, crumbles. Uh, I, I can't remember. It was a specific type of crumble. It wasn't a leek crumble? Uh, yes. yes. Uh, lentil French, and leek. French, yeah. French lentil and leek crumbles. Yeah. A frozen food product. Uh, and so it, it looks like, according to this paper, um, from some some good folks in uh, in Mississippi, that the identification of S negative bicayenne bicayenne in Terra was a compound of interest um, due to its. And this is straight from the uh, the abstract. Due to its abundance, possible metabolic fate, and close resemblance to irreversible inhibitors of L pipecolate oxidase, which, uh, it, as I read the paper, impacts the liver, which is kind of consistent with the things that people reported uh, that they had some some liver issues. So, yeah. So what do you think here? Well, it's you know, it's a it's a really interesting article. And I, I had never I've never heard of this group before. Um, I'm 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 not heard of this specific journal, although I am familiar with the ACS, the American Chemical Society. They are a reputable uh, organization. Um, but this group is the National Center for Natural Products Research, and they are at Ole Miss in Mississippi. And uh, they they've been funded by FDA since 2001 to develop analytical methods and reference standards for botanical formulations sold as dietary supplements in the US. And so this is a group that seems uniquely qualified to do this kind of work. And so uh yeah, it's really it's really quite quite interesting. And I and it's a short paper. Um it's it, a lot of it is is impenetrable to me since I'm not a toxicologist, but uh, I, I just thought it was really interesting. And they did they did a lot of work to kind of confirm nothing, right? Like they 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 did uh, a bunch of analysis on this material, 
to so yeah so the 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 flower that they tested was determined to be free from intentional accidental or ec- economic adulteration or spiking with synthetics and so they looked for a whole bunch of things that they didn't find so amatoxins phallotoxins aflatoxins microcystins uh perlozoid alkaloids i don't understand um most of what those are but and then they did look for lead chromium cadmium arsenic um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, one of the other interesting things that they did was they they made sure that it was actually terra terra yeah. flower, flower. terra protein flower. And so one of my working hypotheses was this with this whole issue is maybe somebody harvested the wrong thing when they were supposed to be harvesting terra. And it turns out no. Um, that that no, that this is actual Terra protein, and they were able to confirm that. And again, a lot of this information is in the supplemental materials for the document for the uh, article. Um, but yeah, but then and then they sort of figured it out. Okay, well, yeah, we we we're pretty sure that it is this um unique uh. What did they? What is it? It's a it's a non metabolizable amino acid or something. Yeah. What did they yep. call it? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um. It- Three three major non-protein amino acids. Okay. And 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 they, they found three of them. And one is this bicayan, uh, however you say that. So uh yeah, and it is, it looks like it these are present at high levels in the flower. And then we know that the flower was used to quite a high concentration in the product. So um, but again, not, not really a lot of toxicology on this compound. Um, and so they did their own toxicology and they fed it to mice and they found that it did uh, cause some um, changes to um, uh, per, what they call parameters of acute toxicity. This is in table one. Um, so they're looking for these uh, liver uh, these these compounds that are indication of liver damage and uh, lo and behold uh yeah they they found it so More, uh, yeah. it seems yeah they, so yeah it, it does it does seem to make uh the mice sick uh when you when you feed this to mice and so that's a pretty good indication i mean it looks it's not like nothing is ever 100% in science but boy this is uh this has taken us i think pretty far down the road of where we we know to ever, whatever extent that you can ever know anything that we know what's caused this outbreak finally. Yeah. And, and so a couple of things that stuck out to me um, on this, you know, you talked about the high amount of uh, Terra protein flour that, that was consumed because of the product. The authors talk about this and I'm going to just read straight from the, from the paper here. Markers of he- uh, hepatic health were evaluated since liver problems were one of the adverse events reported by consumers. Um, for several reasons, a high dose, which is one gram per kilogram of body weight, was selected for investigation. So first, the Crumbles product was as a food, which was a uh, uh, was a food. One serving size is 113 grams, and therefore was likely consumed at levels substantially higher than a supplement or drug. And this is I thought this was the most interesting part about the paper. Um, the second, uh, the toxicity may be due to a minor metabolite of bicayan, which we've both, we've pronounced three different ways now, uh, but we'll include in show notes, uh, formed under in vivo conditions, which is similar to acetaminophen. And so they write that ingestion, ingestion of acetaminophen at the recommended dose is considered safe, but an overdose or underlying anomalies and detoxifying mechanisms can result in liver and kidney toxicity, as well as 
a glutathione depletion due to increased levels of the active metabolite, which I won't read. So what basically what what, what I what I take out of this is it, it's similar to eating like a lot of acetaminophen. You know, that that's essentially what what they're showing here. And that isn't surprising because it is uh, the metabolite is similar to acetaminophen. So so but, you know, if I take a Tylenol once a day, no, you know, or whatever, mm, no, no mm -hmm. big deal. But here serving size, like if I, I think about 113 grams as a serving size is not is like not a lot. Probably people are eating two or maybe three. Well, uh, two two serving sizes is like eight ounces of of these crumbles right like that's not not a lot which would for me be close to this dose that they measured of one gram per kilogram of body weight of flour so so that's i thought that was really really interesting right like you know one of the conversation you and i just had is like well what is it about this this um protein powder that might have been consumed a lot before that that we're seeing illnesses is it just epidemiologically we didn't see the the blip and here it actually might have to do with how much is being consumed per serving size and and that the toxicity is is maybe always there for certain members of the population um to be to be determined but yeah this is really i thought it was really interesting uh to read this today so how many how many um how many what is this? It's acetaminophen Tylenol. So how many how many Tylenol would you have to take to represent the dose that these people got? Well, you know, that's what I'd like to know. Yeah. Right. Well, let's do a little let's do a little uh, uh, math here. You're the math well, guy. So Tylenol. Well, yeah. Tylenol. Um, acetaminophen. Well, here's the thing. You you do some math. Yes. Um, I, I, I want to talk about this other article um, from um, somebody uh, whose name I never forget. Um, uh his name is Neil Fortin. Uh, he's a professor in food science and human nutrition and the director of the Institute for Food Laws and Regulation at Michigan State. Never would forget his name. Um, but he wrote an article, um, a guest uh, a guest article uh, on Marler's Food Safety News uh, blog um, that appeared last August. And, and the title of the article uh, written by Dr. Uh, Fortin is A Discussion of Terra and grass status. And this is something that occurred to me, like I, I and I, I'm actually going back and forth with the discussion with uh, a high school student who has a question about a particular, something unrelated to, to Tara um, about grass status and having to explain to them how that works and how people can, um, you know, uh, self-affirm grass. And uh, anyway, so the, this, this article from uh, Neil is really, is really quite, quite nice. And it does a good job of explaining what it means for something to be grass, the limitations of of grass, um, and, and how that might relate to Terra. And so basically what he concludes is that one use of Terra gum appears to be grass. Um, and, and and you can use, uh, again, according to his analysis, purified gum as a thickener, stabilizer, emulsifier, or gelling agent in small amounts. On the other hand, he writes, Terra protein powder milled from the germ of Terra seeds does not have a grass use, does not have a prior, a published prior sanction, and is not an approved food additive. Um, and so, uh, therefore, and as an unapproved food additive, any food containing Terra protein powder is deemed adulterated as a matter of law. 
And so, and he, and he writes also, because this has also been called Terra flour, not Terra protein powder, but Terra flour. And he says the same conclusion is most likely true for Terra flour. Um, uh, Terra gum is not approved for use as flour. And if the Terra flour contains ground Terra seed or ground other parts of the Terra plant, the flour is an unapproved food additive, which is fascinating to me. Um, I, I would not, I mean, again, and that's why, you know, Professor Neil is a smart guy and does what he does. Um, and I, I'm, I'm a different guy and I do something different, but um, really, uh, really interesting. And so we're going to, we'll link to, of course, all of this. We'll link to the National Center and their webpage. We'll link to the article. We'll link to uh, this uh, uh, article from Food Safety News and also the Wikipedia article on paracetamol. But did you finish doing your math, Ben? I'm pretty close. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm, pre I'm pretty close. Uh, and to Ching, um, <laughs> Don, I, so based on this, okay, um, I, I think it's the same as eating about 283, 325 milligram uh, Tylenol pills. <laughs> um, that's a lot. Two, 283 Tylenol. 283 Tylenol. That's, that's a lot. That's, that's a lot. That's also that's, a very good episode title. <laughs> Yes. Yes. So, so here, here's how I, I, that, for me at my weight, cause this is about one gram per kilogram. So I, I, I just, uh, uh, calculated yeah. Yeah. yeah, based on your weight. Yep. Based, based on my specific weight, not the weight of, of the rats or, or mice right. that were right. used. Um, but, um, yeah, so that, and, and the, the look, I just found at the Mayo clinic, um, what they were, feeding you know for this study would be um about 92,000 grams uh 92 is that right no 92,000 milligrams milligrams right? that seems milligrams right, yeah. yeah um and uh the Mayo Clinic I, I you know assume from CDC or for someone else suggests that um you should not consume more than 4,000 milligrams of Tylenol per day so, so it's a lot, right? Like 283. Wait, what's the, what's the maximum Tylenol dose? 4,000 milligrams a day. Okay. So four grams basically. Four grams. Yeah. And and you're saying 90 something grams. Yes. Which is yep. more than four. It's more than four. It's more than, more than, more than, than 10 times more than four. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's a lot of, okay. yeah. It's a, about like, like I said, uh, about, uh, 80, 83, sorry, 283 Tylenols. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so anyway in like i i guess it, it, interesting new development here right i didn't we weren't aware of this until someone sent it to us today um and uh i i think it's kind of an you know we'll we'll see we'll see where where this goes but i mean it it, it certainly sounds like if you you know <clears throat> this if if you ate a whole bunch of terra flour and it had this metabolite in it um that or amino acid in it that is not metabolized well that looks like acetaminophen it's like you took 283 tylenols which is probably would not be good for your liver uh or or and would would you know make a lot of people sick maybe not everybody it's pretty this is pretty wild yeah, huh. you know, and one uh, one thing, and it may, and I'd like to hear what if you do doing are, are doing anything differently as a result of this outbreak. But my um in 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 our house, we um some of us would like us to eat less uh, animal food and eat more 
um, you know, more towards the vegetarian uh, or vegan lifestyle. And um, there's a lot of very interesting products on the marketplace. Um, and I've started reading the label to see <laughs> where they're getting their protein content from. And and my wife did purchase some product recently uh, that was not very good, um, but it was but it was soy. So, um, you know, I wasn't worried. Right. I didn't see any terra flower in this particular product that came home from the grocery store. So have, have you do you read the label more carefully? How how much are you guys on the uh, let's let's eat healthier, you know, and what and we're going to define healthier. I'm using air quotes, Richard Fingers, yeah. um, you know, more vegetarian um, uh, protein. Um, yeah. What are, what are your, have you, have you changed as a result of this? Are you paying more attention? I'm paying more attention. Um, we're, we're not a, um, a big packaged food kind of, kind of group. Ah, like, right. yeah. So, so I'll tell you where I, where I am looking for this stuff. Um, now is, uh, every once in a while, you know, like I, I like, a I like a hamburger, but mm-hmm. I'll make, I'll make a hamburger at a, at a ground Turkey. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, uh, I've been looking at what are the best, like hamburger rolls to buy that oh, are mm-hmm. like, not that like, I, and sometimes I can, at my, um, at my grocery store, the closest one to me, I can find whole wheat buns, which would be my goal or like, you right. know, whole, whole grain buns, but not all the time. Can I get them? So I found these, um, they're called Arnold's. Arnold's, and I'm interested in in your specific product here in a minute too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was Arnold's Keto Buns. Oh wow! Um, and so these ones came like really uh, out of all of the um, labels that I've been reading. I've been pretty happy with with these because it's got. I mean, they're like they're eighty calories they're they taste pretty good there's like almost no carbs six grams of carbs and there's a lot Mm. of fiber in them um and i'm trying to find oh yeah here we go i'll find the smart label for you and we'll send you this um did you get your your texting your iMessages fixed i did okay i did thank you i i it turned out um i think all i had to do was restart my computer enough different times so oh perfect always restart so um, so it's good. Like there's not much in this, but, um, here, here's the stuff that I didn't know about. Okay. So water. Okay. Good. Modified wheat starch, wheat protein isolate. Don't know exactly what that is. Sunflower flour, soluble corn fiber. I like my fiber, some yeast, um, vegetable oil, oat fiber, inulin. I don't mm-hmm. know what that is. Chicory root fiber. Um, it's, it's basically just another kind of fiber. Um, oh, okay. I like the fiber. It, it, I like it, the help, fiber. it helps you go, as they say. Oh, um, uh, she's is is she a, is she a goer? Uh, <laughs> you know, nudge nudge. Um, yeah. Uh, um, soy lecithin, citric acid, guar gum, and guar gum, not the band guar. Um, unfortunately, do you know about guar the band? I don't. Oh, you're you're gonna like them. Um, when. <laughs> They, they, uh, here comes a Wikipedia page for you to peruse later. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> most, uh, their videography. Oh, consists- wow. Oh, yeah. Both live yeah. recordings and long feature films, most notably 1992's Phallus in Wonderland, which earned a Grammy Award no- nomination for best long form music video. 
Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, guar gum, not guar gum. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I like these, the, I've been, I, so, uh, an Arnold's keto bun with, uh, with, a like a, a, a three ounce, four ounce Turkey, a ground Turkey burger is like a, it's a go for me right now. I like these hmm. a lot. So anyway, what's a, cool. what was the product that you've been looking at? I don't know. It's a, it was a, it was, it, well, I will tell you about it. It was made, it was made from soy. It actually had a pretty good texture. It looked, it's, it was a simulated chicken product. Um, It actually <gasps> looked like, 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 you know, like a, like a chicken breast, not, not like a, like, like a shredded one, like, like you would yeah. get on a salad or something. And, it, and the texture was good. It wasn't chicken texture, but it was good. But you know, the problem was the flavor was overwhelming and the and they used a lot of sage and it was Ooh. like it was like here is a tiny little bit uh here's here's thanksgiving dinner in a pill and it, you know because it was just like so overwhelming and i think we had paired it we had some leftover um asian slaw or something and it was just a total flavor clash and and i'm not yeah. even sure and I, if it would be good without the with without the um without the 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 pairing like if we just ate it on its own maybe it would be okay if you had it with mashed potatoes and cranberries right but it was just and i don't i'm not a huge fan of that flavor anyway um it and it was just uh yeah so it was it was a failed a failed experiment um on on the other hand um we we made uh barbacoa or by we i mean my wife made barbacoa and mexican beans and rice uh, for some uh, guests, a friend of the friend of the podcast uh, and former graduate student Dane Jensen and his lovely wife, Dr. Patty, um, they uh, came over and 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 again, but it was like you know not like we did we didn't we didn't buy too much from the store, right? We did we did go to on the border and buy some chips and uh, 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 flour tortillas, but uh, yeah, and we're still eating that barbacoa and it's still pretty good. So uh, yeah, so so. But definitely uh, would not serve the uh, say overwhelmingly sage flavored um, fake chicken for any. <laughs> yeah, weird. That's a weird flavor, I guess. Well, I yeah. mean, it goes. Well, but I, uh, yeah, and, and I think what what the problem with all of these these fake uh, meat products is that they just the flavor is just not there, and so people are just trying all different ways of juicing that flavor up. And you know, I'm like, well, if you just want to eat soy protein, um, why not just eat tofu and then cook it, cook it up, and, and like cook it up like you would cook tofu, and you know, just a nice, you know, crispy thing. And again, it goes well with Asian dishes. And like, stop trying to stop trying to make it taste like something else, right? Just have it, just be good at what you're having it taste like. Like, like, just be, yeah, you know, just be be a good be a good soy thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, think ads. Yeah. Anyway, I, I'm, I'm, I'm rambling here, but yeah, I think you get my point. Yeah, no, I, I got you. I got you. Um, so I, I, yeah, I mean, we talked in the last episode about our, our, uh, um, my health, my health quest, mm -hmm. um, and, and update. And, and so where we've kind of arrived at recently is, is like, um, I, we just, I'm eating, a ton of vegetables like just mm, you know yeah. just you know just the the raw agricultural product type where yeah. um it be, and but the where it really um i struggle is when i travel that's my mm -hmm. biggest problem um and and i kind of had a you know a, a challenge again i was i was camping last week uh um at uh, ochre island uh in the outer banks and 
and there's you know like you're when you're camping it's it, you're not bringing a lot of fresh vegetables um with you and so i ended up sure. like eating lots of other other stuff but but when i'm like i can control things better here when i'm at home mm-hmm. yeah um okay so i got lots of stuff for us so you know i about. just forgot ben this is the second episode of our new podcast department <laughs> head chair talk yeah department and head I chair talk. forgot yeah. and and i guess i guess what what i do want to warn the listeners is i am <laughs> not you are a department head i am not yet a department chair although the die has been cast and i have been elected at this point um but we're, so we're gonna we're gonna bring you slowly into this new podcast format um and so uh come episodes that post after july 1st there's gonna be i just want to warn people right now there's not gonna be any food safety content so just well, you know get your get your food safety content now because the podcast is going to change dramatically changing. after july 1st the, yeah so I, I thought we had already changed it. That's why I started with food safety because usually, oh, oh yes, yes, right. Like we're we're might as well start with food safety, get that out of our system, and then move to department head chair talk. Um, but but I, I see where you're going. Okay, well we'll pa- we'll 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 pause this. Um, and it and it's coming it's coming soon. Um, actually now now I kind of want to do a podcast that's totally focused on guar. Guar is right. <laughs> not the, I, not so, the gum. I the heavy metal band. Yeah, I bet there is a um the, you know, that. I'm sure. I'm sure. Um okay, so one thing that I um the, the hockey season's almost over. The Stanley Cup finals are about to start. And ben, so Ben like yeah. so I know I ask this every year, but yeah. at some point the ice melts, right? Did hockey used to go into summer, Ben? It used is, to go into it, May. It, like at, so always? It, like, yeah. Forever, really? Well, I mean, not I, forever. I mean, go go back to when I was a kid. <laughs> the only cup finals dates. Let's look yeah. at this historic. I, it, it just seems, it just seems, you know, and that could just be me and I'm getting old and cranky and I don't remember stuff, but it just seems like, like, like it just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, baseball, you know, football, baseball's in the spring, um, football's in the fall, hockey's in the winter. Um, yeah, well, know, hockey's in ba- the baseball is in the summer. Maybe basketball's in the spring. I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah. Well, basketball still yeah. basketball still going as yeah. well. We're in the. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, all right. Let me see if I can find but we, this. But we, but we, but we, but we, we've already had March Madness. But that's college basketball. That's different that's right. than the other basketball, the the professional basketball. Yeah. So the first Stanley Cup championship mm-hmm. was played in March. Okay, I'll uh, that I'll allow. Yes, because I think you could still have ice in in Canada in March. Yeah, especially in 1894, before <laughs> <laughs> before global warming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, so I would say that that was probably the earliest. Okay. Um, oh, so the, my my hypothesis is correct. It's been steadily creeping forward. Yes. Yes. Okay. okay. So, oh, it's not the earliest. Oh my gosh, Don. The Montreal Vic- Victorias won the Stanley Cup on December 30th of 1896. And now that I, that seems now, like you could at least get hockey through February. Now, you know? now I mean, he, December yeah. seems a little early. But here's here's what what you're missing is yeah. that the Stanley Cup up until I think the 19 um uh yeah, about about 1910, maybe it was a challenge cup. So so you whoever won it 
the, another team could come challenge them and take it away. Kind of like how professional oh. wrestling works, right? So okay, there was not, sure. it wasn't like at the end of a season. So, so let's, let's get to wait. Now um, what? All right. This is crazy. This doesn't make yeah, any sense. I know. I know, but that's the way it was. So like I could, I just call your team up um, via telegram or whatever we used um, at that time and say, Hey, uh, the Quebec Bulldogs would like to play uh, your team um uh you know, the, the whoever the you know uh, vancouver millionaires maybe um and uh and we like to challenge you for the stanley cup so so if you want to play us you just need to know that you're putting the stanley cup up and we might war we might win it so could then theoretically by that model the cup could change hands multiple times during a year it could it could um okay and and it looks like that that was the case in uh I, I sent you just a horribly formatted uh website oh but if i go back there's a different format now that gives me a lot of them uh it looks like like in uh, 1907 it changed hands from uh the wander the montreal wanders to the kenora thistles um and that was january 21st 1907 and then march 25th 25th 1907 um the montreal wanders won, won it back so, so the, you know, so, but then, now, then we got into the NHL. Okay. So 1929, the NHL had a season, then the Stanley cup was awarded at the end of the season. Um, uh, Stanley cup final chip. Oh, sorry. I've got, I've got this all wrong. I, I'm trying to do this on the fly. The NHL looks like it started in about 1920. Yeah, 1918, 1919. Um, so anyway. Right, but, but I just want to say, like, I've not done a statistical analysis or a regression trend line, but yeah. just based on a perusal of these pages, I it would suggest that my hypothesis is correct in that we've had a gradually creeping forward yes. time of year for the Stanley Cup. So I rest my case, counselor. Yes, Mar we got March, we got April in the 1930s. Then we get into the 1940s and we're we're still in april 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 and then we get into the 1960s now it's later april oh the first may awarded stanley cup was in 1965 um and now we will award the cup in like late june or mid mid june i guess because it starts okay well yeah, I soon. just want to go on record as um not approving of this so well, just for, I, so you know yeah, no, you're all. You, yeah, I, I, I understand. Um, so, <laughs> so now that the, there's less hockey on, because normally I watch it every night. Now it's it's every other night. Or right now we're in a gap. I I watched something last night that I really liked. Um, that I, oh, I, I did too. Was, I thought it was really funny. Have you? So the, I don't know if you listen to any other podcasts other than ours. Um, I honestly, Ben, I only. I only listen. I'm not like John Syracuse. Uh, I don't re-listen. So I only listen no. to hours. No, I this one I only listen to when we're recording it. The the risky or not, I listen to the beginning and end of those several times as I put in the bumper music. Um, but but I really don't listen to those either, except while we're doing it. So uh, yes. Well, so I also don't listen to the to um, ours. Uh, I do listen to some other ones, and then. Um, I was introduced to one called Smartless. Um, are you familiar with this? Uh, with, with this, it's it's kind of Smartless. Is that a is that a Casey List podcast? No, it's I, my, it is it is uh, less than List. 
smart less. Um, it's, okay. it's, it's three people that you would, you would recognize they're, they're famous, famous individuals, Jason Bateman, um, Sean, who is, who was on, um, uh, I can't remember what the show was in the in the nineties, uh, as a teen heartthrob, but now, but then he was on Arrested Development and he was in Ozark and then Sean Hayes, who was on Will and Grace and Will Arnett, who's a Canadian icon who was also on, um, uh, arrested development. Anyway, they do these, the, this, uh, podcast, which I, I've not, I can't listen to a bunch of them. Um, but, but it's an interview podcast, which is very different from our podcast where it's just you and I, mm-hmm. um, and, and one of the hosts selects a, a, a secret guest, which is something that you and I oh, have done. Yeah. Yeah. And then they all like the other two don't know who it is, but then they interview them for, for an hour and they get like Wayne Gretzky was on and, oh, nice. Yeah, Steve Carell. Like I've listened to a handful okay. of these episodes, and it's funny. These got they're funny guys. Yep. Um. Uh. The, well, and so the most recent one, uh, from earlier this week is Depeche Mode, which I might listen to. Mm. Um. Mm. Uh. Anyway, there's an HBO show which I think is now not called HBO. Now it's called HBO. Called it's Max. Called Max. Yeah. It's called Max. Worst decision ever. The Max. It's all here. Stream it here. It says. Uh, there's a, th- these smartless guys went on tour and did smartless live and then they filmed the tour, but it's not about like, it's about b- behind the scenes and how, you know, getting on the plane and all the weird things that they do, but they're kind of like, I don't know, they're funny. They're, they're somewhat, um, esoteric people. They're a li- like, I don't think they're three people that I would enjoy hanging out with, but I enjoy watching them hang out with each other. And really? Interesting. yeah. And so, so there's, I think there's 10 episodes and I watched the first episode last night on, on the max. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, and it's called smartless, smartless, something smartless live, I guess, or smartless, um, smartless, smartless on the road, on the road. Yeah. yeah. On the road. Yep. Yeah. So, so I, I, I think I, I would, I, I would suggest that you might, you might want to check it out. It's kind of, uh, I found it, I found it entertaining and delightful. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, and, and my wife is, is a huge uh, Sean Hayes fan. So uh, yeah, I don't know, maybe, maybe so, but I, but you know, speaking of things that we have watched on the channel used to be, that used to be known as HBO, Last night we watched the season finale of White House Plumbers, which I mentioned. Oh before. yeah, yes, so good. Like just such, a, and I, and again, I, I props to my wife for sticking with it because it's really not her thing. But boy, I I really like the way that they they ended it. Uh, I mean, obviously it's based on <laughs> the truth, but just really, uh, yeah, just a really, um, yeah, just a, re- I just a really clever show. Um, and I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it, but I, I just really, uh, really enjoyed it. Woody Harrelson was great. Um, uh, Justin Thoreau who plays G Gordon Liddy was, I mean, absolutely insane, um, and, and perfect in the role. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, Really, yeah, it makes me want to go back and sort of learn more or, or revisit, um, yeah, the whole uh, the whole White House uh, shenanigans. And of course, we finished watching it, and of course, it immediately prompts us to watch uh, All the President's Men with uh, Dustin Hoffman and Robert Redford, which would also be fun to rewatch again. But yeah, just really, really enjoyed it. So just just putting that out there. Um, does it? I don't want to. I don't want to spoil spoil it or spoiler alert. 
Um, but does it end in a resignation in lieu of impeachment? Uh, well, no, it, it ends it ends with them going to jail, basically, oh, it well, that's, with, yeah. with um, Howard Hunt, uh, E. Howard Hunt and G. Gordon oh. Liddy um, going to jail and uh, John Dean um, basically getting to be a star and going the, the one of the I, I don't want to spoil it. But anyway, yeah. it's a, John Dean is not a major character in the show, um, but obviously had a central role. And it just was, you know, I like I like things that cause me to rethink my perception of things. And um, I, I already knew uh, G. Gordon Liddy was a crazy fascist, but I had no idea how bad. And uh, Howard Hunt is just kind of a, a like a patriotic American, but also a bit of a sad, sad sack. And uh, yeah, and, and really caused me to you know, rethink my perception of John Dean, who many people view as a good guy because he was the one that brought the whole thing down. Um, but he, he does. Yeah. Anyway, he does not come across uh, super well. I mean, you, 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 you end up I, I ended up at least having a real sympathy for Howard Hunt. <laughs> well, um, yeah. In, and and um, an appreciation for just how absolutely uh, insane uh, G. Gordon Liddy was. <laughs> Um, so I, you know, I wasn't alive during, during all of that. Um, mm -hmm. not that, that is not a, a no, no shade, no lemonade to you and, and your, right. and your, and your age. Um, but I know about, um, <laughs> that, that era, um, from, through, through Hunter from S. Thompson, Hunter S. Thompson, of course. And so I, and, and I, we've talked, we haven't talked about this recently, but I, 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 I would, I would definitely say that Hunter S. Thompson is, is my, number one favorite author um and i voraciously read everything that i could get my hands on when i was probably in grad school and and mm -hmm. i i mean i poured through through everything and so i just will include this in the show notes but um one of my absolute favorite um books which is a very odd kind of book is fear and loathing on the campaign trail mm -hmm. 1972 and yep. i guess maybe it's an odd book to me because I had no historical context right. for it. Like right. I wasn't alive. I wasn't reliving anything. Um, you weren't even it. in. You weren't even in the United States, Ben. I wasn't. No, I wasn't <laughs> in the United States. But I just thought it was such a phenomenal book. Like, and yeah. I, I've, I've probably read it three times. I read it again. Oh, wow, wow. Yeah, I read it again during the, um, the 2016 election. Like huh. the that cycle. Just it. Yeah, it, it because it reminded me of just like how much I loved. The, the book like that I mm. you know I'm a I'm a uh, sometimes a political junkie anyway the other um article that is available on rollingstone.com but I think it's in one of Hunter S Thompson's uh collections yeah uh, I can't remember which one it might be like what whatever it doesn't matter um is uh fear and loathing at the Watergate, Watergate um yeah. yeah so uh so we'll link to that it's a great one of those like all-time reads and I appreciate Rolling Stone for doing stuff like this by putting some of these classic articles out there because it's you, you, you know what people should read this on their ipad because it's like a it's like a book yeah um, um all right so uh the other thing i was going to tell you about is um i've been reading i i you know i've been reading a book um slowly because uh, <laughs> um, because it's there's other things to read all the time um but i've been reading this book called punk paradox um, and it's an autobiography of um, Greg Graffin. And I don't know if we've talked so much about Greg Graffin here at all. Are you familiar with who, who he is? If I just I am that? not. 
Okay, so he's the lead vocalist and founder and songwriter of Bad Religion. Oh, I'm sure. Like, I've heard yeah, of them. I, yeah, I would put them in my like top top two or three bands um, that I that I love. That I uh, and it, I, they were the first concert that I ever saw. Um, they uh, they they're v- like very melodic, um, late or early ni- early eighties punk rock from Southern California, which is a whole genre on itself. Anyway, Greg Graffin wrote this autobiography. I don't know, a couple of years ago, last year, I guess. Um, and I, I just got around to to reading it, and it's so so. What you what you might not know about Greg Graffin, other than what I just told you about him, Don, is that he also um is a has a phd in evolutionary biology and he taught <laughs> it yeah yeah and he taught at cornell for a while he did his, oh. his yeah he did his um phd at at cornell um but it, so what i have loved about this book and um and you'll i'll send you a, a picture of what greg graffin looks like now because i think it's really funny um because he's definitely a punk a punk rocker uh a long time ago uh, but, but now I, I basically dress as like I do, um, which I, I think is, it's great. Um, and, uh, anyway, he is, um, he just talks about his love of science in this book hmm. and how he fell in love with, um, oh. with ev- ev- like evolution and, um, just, he, yeah, he, uh, is it, very, it's very, it, like in I don't know inspirational this book so far and he I didn't know anything about his life but his parents were divorced and his dad his parents were both uh, academics his mom was actually a department head and then a dean um, in uh, in California uh, they yeah so so anyway it's uh, it's quite um, it's been quite a, a read and I, I just so I'll throw on some bad religion on my on my AirPods and and then read this book and I've I've really enjoyed it so so ch- like for those who are into the world of punk rock check out um craig graffin's book so yeah and you can you can also follow him on twitter apparently so there you go yep 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 um and there's a biography of bad religion that i read from not his perspective a couple years ago that was really good but this is this is a different his voice and i've i've just really enjoyed it um all right so i got some food safety stuff to talk about oh cool Um, yeah are you right are you ready yeah, no, the only thing I was I was just trying to close a loop on this. Um, my and I, I probably recognize some bad religion songs, but I wanna say, didn't the what was the what was the t-shirt the kid was wearing throughout the Terminator movie? Was that a bad religion t-shirt? Oh I, I don't I I uh or maybe it's another band that I could conflate. Um maybe. Um was it uh which which Terminator movie? Was this the Terminator the, 2 or Terminator? The the one with the the one with the kid. Well, I think <laughs> the there was first a, one. I want to say maybe when Arnold it, Schwarzenegger was the bad guy, or maybe it was the second one where he was the good guy. Yeah, because yeah, I don't. So I'm gonna. I've never seen the first one. I only know the second one that Edward Furlong was the kid. Um, oh, Terminator, Terminator, which is Terminator Two. Was this? Uh, I don't know what t-shirt he was wearing. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was about religion. He's getting t-shirt. ads for Terminator t-shirts, which is not what I want. No, I know. And then I put in Terminator Bad Religion t-shirt, and you know what you get? Ads for Terminator t-shirts and Bad Religion t-shirts, which is which is also not it. Um, 
Oh, Public Enemy. He's public wearing enemy. a Public Enemy t-shirt. He's wearing a Public Enemy, John Connor Public so, Enemy t-shirt. Yeah. So, also, so uh, Public Enemy, also a band that for whatever reason I put in the same category as Bad Religion. I'm not sure if it's the same genre or anything. Um, it's just one of those bands that I don't know anything about. And so I put them in the same <laughs> mental bin. Yeah, no. Um, that They are not the same genre. Well, uh, I mean... They are, they're both kind of like um, social justice, anti-establishment genre. One is hip hop and one is punk rock. So I, I'm a fan of both Public mm-hmm. Enemy and, and, and um, you know, in, in, <clears throat> yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good about, uh, uh, about both of these bands. <laughs> okay, yeah. good. Well, they're both, uh, you know, at, at least, at least I've, I've closed the loop on that. So <laughs> <laughs> Um, mentally I can move on in the podcast. Yes. No, I, you're, you're all good. Uh, and then public enemy, a couple of guys from there join rage against machine to, uh, become uh, the profits, profits of rage. Um, Don, this is a whole, this is a whole, uh, music podcast today, but yeah. So anyway, um, what about, what about, um, uh, cookie dough? You want to talk a little bit about cookie dough? Do you know about sure. this? Sure. You know, people are getting sick from cookie dough right now. Again? Again. Um, okay. I just lost this. Here it is. Salmonella outbreak linked to raw cookie dough. This just came up uh, about a week ago. Uh, CDC announced this. Um, it is from Papa Murphy's chocolate chip cookie dough. Do you know about, do you know what Papa Murphy's is? Yeah, I think I have seen something about this, and I did. I did do, do a little bit of a. Uh, I don't remember why, but I did dig into this a little bit. So um, this one's there. There's not a lot yet on this. Um, well, I'll go through the investigation details here. Eighteen people infected uh, uh, from February 27th to May 2nd. Um, sick people range in age from 14 to 68 years. Uh, median age of 47, 83% are female. Um, um, state and local public health officials are interviewing people about the foods they ate in the week before they got sick. Of the 14 people interviewed, 12 reported eating food from Papa Murphy's. Nine people ate Papa Murphy's raw chocolate chip cookie dough or raw s'mores bars dough. And one person ate baked cookies made with Papa Murphy's chocolate chip cookie dough. That's the one I want to talk about. Um, yeah. So, um, uh, so Papa Murphy's is a, it's a, um, take and bake pizza chain. So you, you go into Papa Murphy's and you order a pizza, um, and they put ingredients on a pizza for you. And then they make you do all the work to actually bake it. (laughs) Okay. Are you familiar with that format? I am familiar with that model. Yes. Yes. Um, and so, uh, they also, and I, I know this one of the, one of the guys I used to play hockey with owned a Papa Murphy's, uh, franchise for, for a while and, uh, would give us coupons and we'd come in and get our take and bake. And they also had these, uh, take home, uh, uh, raw cookie dough, um, uh, bins like not, not a, like a like a container and then you make raw cookie you make cookies out of the raw dough at home and so that you know th- this uh sounds like the cookie dough was not eaten uh cooked except w- i've gotten i've got a theory about the one that what that someone did 
um, bake it and get and still get sick? What are your What are your thoughts about that? So we've got um, someone. Well, I guess I would I would say they baked it and they still got sick. But what we don't know is if they got that the, that sentence construction implies that they got sick from the baked cookies. And I'm not sure that that's correct. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So they could have easily or not easily, but they could have dosed themselves with the raw dough prior to baking the cookies. So I think it's I think it's unlikely that the baked cookies not impossible. Again, we we need more information. How did the, how well did they bake the cookies? Did they seem like they were undercooked? You know, did how careful were they about uh, cross contamination? You know, those are the kind of questions that come to mind. So, okay, I'll, I'm going to put the cross contamination aside, and I'm going to tell you yep. about how how because I think that's I I think it's it's uh, it's, uh, it's certainly an option, but I've learned something in my own house recently. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, we we uh, uh, every once in a while we'll we'll get um, the pre pre made cookie dough usually the one like like the same thing where it comes in a container and you scoop it out and you put it on a um, on a tray okay um, this is this is the same household where you told me that you don't eat a lot of pre prepared processed foods that you you cook from scratch is that is yeah. that the same household yeah not now this is like a treat this this is not yeah doesn't happen often but when it okay, happens okay. And I'm not, I, 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 this is a, a temptation that I, I try to stay away from in my house, but it's, it's mm. difficult because they're very tasty. Mm. But, um, a couple of weeks ago, Don, just lean in. Cause it's just, this is just you and I, just, the, just you and I, I, uh, I, I made some cookies for uh, a departmental, this is part of department, um, department head chair talk. Chair talk. Uh, yeah. yeah. I made some cookies for my department as part of like a, a, an event that we had to celebrate the end of the semester, but I didn't, I didn't make them from scratch. Yeah. So I bought, I bought this container cause this is how, how it's done in my house. And, uh, my, my, my lovely spouse, uh, Danielle, um, said, yeah, get, the, get this one. This is the one that we like. And I'm like, okay, I get it. And then I brought home and I start to scoop it. I'm, you know, Don, I, I, I'm a, uh, when it comes to cooking, especially when it comes to cooking raw things, mm -hmm. I am a rule follower. Mm. Why? Why? Because I don't like to get salmonella from my frozen chicken items or mm. all the other things. Yeah. I start scooping it on the, um, on, on the pan. I preheat the oven. Uh, the, the, the lovely Danielle goes, what are you doing? I'm like, uh, just making cookies, following, following the instructions here. She's like, oh no, you're gonna ruin them. I'm like, what? Sorry, what's what's happening here? She goes, never preheat the oven. And also, if you want them good, like I make them, you're gonna overcook them if you follow the instructions. Yeah, you you, <laughs> you, you will you will overcook them. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, yeah. I put them in, and she's and I'm like, well, how long for what? And she's like, I you know put them in at 400, and uh, and and I'm like, well, what do I put on the timer? She goes, there's no timer. You don't need a timer. It's all by feel. I open it up and and if I she's like I know that if I cook it all the way they will be they will be overdone, they'll be crunchy and I want um fall apart kind of slimy cookies. And Don, I I need to tell you that un, unbeknownst to me for 15 years or as long as these products have been available, oh, no. every time I've had a, a cookie from oh, this no. I, I thought I was eating fully cooked cookies oh and no I, I don't think i have been i think she's trying to kill me don 
I'm a well, little concerned. I mean, as long as she's not selectively undercooking your cookies, she's I think to she's just trying to kill all of you. Yeah, yes. yes. She's trying to kill us all. <laughs> so anyway, I think that, that this, when I read this outbreak report, mm-hmm. I thought about that. This is how it's, it's yeah, they were baked. And I'll put those into Richard Fingers because certainly mm-hmm. the cookies in my house are, quote, baked. But I could certainly, I, I, after seeing the process that I've not paid attention to for 15 years, it would surprise me if the cookies that are made in my house using this process get above 140 degrees. It would surprise me. If they, well, if, so yeah. when so what? How did you end up making the cookies this time? I I followed the instructions, Don. I'm not okay. So was, so people weren't getting sick you, on my. I uh, got it. No, but watch. when after you followed the instructions, did you take a uh, final temperature? I did not. I did not. Okay. I, I I I trusted the time temperature combination that I, I think it was Nestle Toll House Cookies or Pillsbury, whoever makes them, gave me in in there. Okay. Uh, yeah. But so yes. but it, but and so all right. So th- we're we're in the in the Chapman household. It's not Papa Murphy's cookies to be no. clear. Correct. Okay, and I think I want to say Pillsbury, um, because they have had an outbreak linked to that, ref- and it's this is the refrigerated cookie dough, right? Yeah, yeah it's refrigerated yeah. cookie dough. Yeah, yeah. I, I think in response to the outbreak that they had, they have reformulated that product, and I think, I think you're they, right. They make yeah. it so that it's okay if you underbake it, right? Because because they're making it with pasteurized flour or something. So I think you're probably okay. But but I, you but you you make a really good point, and actually it you know it reminds me. So we don't we don't um, um, we don't buy products like this because my wife is a baker and we have certain standards in this house and so but what we do will do is we don't need to eat a whole batch of cookies all at once so we'll she'll make up a bunch and she'll put them in the freezer and we'll pull out like four right and we'll bake four cookies so that we can each have like a a, a snack after dinner um, but again we're not cooking that according to we just you know I think forget exactly what we do what the rest, what the quote unquote yeah. baking recipe is, but I, I, it might be worth uh, next time we do that to take an internal measurement of the cookies when they come out. Just, just cause now I'm curious. Yeah. yeah. It'd be, it'd be interesting. And and I, I'm going to, I'm sure like, I'm not going to be able to change what's happening in my house. Right. Like, no, I mean, there are no. so many things pick, that I pick your battles. Yeah. yeah. This is not one of them The like being the, 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 the baked cookie police is mm-hmm. not, it's not going to help me. In, in so many ways in my life. Um, uh, but um, but I, I'm going to see if I can sneak in next time this happens and see what the temperature looks like and, and yeah, report yeah. report back. But um, but yeah, so anyway, as I was reading this this outbreak um, investigation, I thought exactly about that. what what I have just learned in my own household, that this could be that the person thinks that they're fully baking it and, and maybe maybe they're not or or Don. Another possibility here is, is that the person who got sick was someone like me who didn't bake the cookies and and reported to the investigators that uh-huh. they ate a big yes. cookie yes. and they don't even know that that it's done yeah. by it's done by feel and voodoo or whatever it is in my house, not time and temperature. Uh, <laughs> don't worry. Uh, yeah. D- uh, Danny will never will never listen to this episode. I, I promise. Yes. I promise you that. 
Um, okay, so well, we got know, that. So I'm looking. I'm looking at the Pillsbury website, and and shame on you, Pillsbury. You have this little rollover thing where you can see the image bigger, but I make the image bigger, and I still can't read the label to see what the actual <laughs> ingredient list looks like. So I'll probably instead of going to the Pillsbury website, I'll probably have to go to Amazon, um, and and get an actual label that I can see. So so shame on you, Pillsbury, for not letting me read the label. What if I had allergies? I can't. I can't read anything. On this. Right. This is right. this is a very annoying website. They made it so, bigger, but, but not big enough. Yeah. Oh, not big enough. Not big enough. And if you zoom in, it's blurry. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, uh, a little bit of follow up from uh, a couple episodes ago. Um. The uh, <laughs> we talked about my front yard chickens. I believe. Yep. Many times. Um. Yeah. Uh. Just a heads up. Um, I, I'm not, this is not related to my front yard chickens, but there is a, uh, national, uh, salmonella outbreak that is, uh, being associated with, um, uh, uh salmonella, uh, Branderup, Enderitidis, and Infantis, uh, linked to, um, poultry, um, the, that's raised at home, um, right now, uh, with, uh, 104 people, six since, um, it's going back to January 1st. So uh, CDC has recently updated this. So anyway, I just wanted more more of a follow up for me that people are are getting sick. But we've talked about my risk reduction methods. So I feel I feel like I'm okay. okay. Um, yeah. Uh, state and local public health officials are interviewing people about the animals they had contact with the week before they got sick. Of the 69 people with information about animal contact, 48 reported contact with backyard poultry before getting sick. Of the 45 people with information available, 10% uh, reported eating eggs from backyard por- poultry. Um, hmm. And so, and and that, I mean, truthfully, doesn't surprise me. We've talked about the risk, uh, uh, three, three in 10,000 is the number that we like to use here of uh, San Vanilla Enteritidis in, in eggs mm-hmm. uh, that are commercially available. I bet it's higher than that in backyard poultry um, or or front yard poultry. I don't, I don't know, Ben. I'm not, I'm not sure. I would love, I would love for somebody to do a study, you know? Yeah. Oh, I, I, yeah. I would love for someone to do a study too. I'm just guessing at it. Yeah. Um, okay. So I got that for you. Now okay. I got another, you know, we, we, we haven't done, um, a whole lot of, uh, what, what used to be my favorite, um, uh, bit on, on here. FDABCDC. Well, <laughs> yes, but but there's a there's a subsection of that, um, which is let's read the FDA warning letters. Oh, yes. So let's go ahead here. And I want to tell you about we we you and I've got um, we talked about sprouts. We're not going to rehash our our sprouts uh, conversation here. But, Don, uh, we had an outbreak uh, a link to um, a <clears throat> uh, sprouter. In Omaha, Nebraska, um, Rhodes Legacy uh, in, incorporated DBA sunsprouts. I don't know how many illnesses. W- w- maybe we can find that out at some point. I, I don't know if you remember this this outbreak, um, but it happened last uh, last year, um, and uh, there was some really interesting stuff that they found here. So um, one. Um, <clears throat> One of the things that I think makes can make sprouts safer is uh, testing the spent irrigation water effluent. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, as is, uh, I don't know if it's required, but it's in the 
like best practice for sprouters. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, um, so they didn't, they didn't do that here. They, according to the warning letter, um, you failed to meet the requirement to test spent irrigation water, or if such testing, testing is not practical, practicable, test each production batch of sprouts. They didn't do either of those things. No, no testing, Mm -hmm. um, from that further, you stated you have not conducted any testing on your spicy sprout blend, your broccoli sprouts, or your sunflower shoots since April of 2022. So that's probably not good. Um, they uh, also didn't uh, test irrigation water for other other things. Um, didn't clean and sanitize food contact surfaces that they used to grow, harvest, pack, or hold sprouts. This is probably these are not good things. No, to see right. Um, then then you um, <laughs> this is this is always my favorite part of these warning letters. Um, in your written response to the FDA 483, you attached a cleaning schedule for the Mr. Nozzles, quote, Mr. Nozzle cleaning schedule, which would have been our show title had we not decided one uh, earlier, Mr. Nozzle cleaning schedule. Um, in, in the procedure of your Mr. Nozzle cleaning schedule, the Mr.'s would be cleaned uh, you know, I guess at a specific time during our inspection, you told our investigators that the observed filth on the misters was from a whole bunch of time before the previous cleaning. Um, and uh, so you would have, if you were following your, like, this is where, where I love FDA, basically saying, if you're following your schedule, you wouldn't have had filth there. But then you told us that you weren't following your schedule. So, well, you know, uh, Ben, the, the problem is not having the schedule the problem it's, is following the schedule yes uh also this is a sprouter right someone who who is in in the process of of, of actually sprouting they uh did not have a supervisor or responsible party completing any food safety training or an equivalent training so you got like anyway there's a lot lot going on no not good irrigation water testing or no no irrigation no water irrigation testing. water testing yeah not a lot of cleaning and sanitizing and no one there trained as per the requirements so not not great and and is it any wonder why they had an a, an outbreak right like all of oh. these bad things yeah, and just to close the loop, sixty-three people sick, right? Oh my god! So it was a big outbreak. Yeah, that's that's a massive, massive outbreak, especially for sprouts in this day and age, right? Like, because I, you know, generally the sprouts sprout industry got a bad rap, and I think that they were doing better, and we we now have, um, you know, guidance from FDA, and there's a lot, and I think overall the sprout supply was getting safer, was my impression, right? Because the outbreaks were getting fewer and smaller and uh and then somebody like sunsprouts has to go and blow the uh, uh blow the blow the average as they say um yeah so 63 people that's a that's a lot of people that's yeah and i you know spent irrigation water testing so seed seed testing uh which you basically do by making by sprouting some seeds and and getting that spent irrigation water or spent irrigation water testing there that's a really good way to find pathogens because when you when you sprout seeds you naturally cultivate pathogens you're adding moisture they're releasing nutrients you're keeping it warm it's a perfect environment for growing pathogens which is why sprouts are risky but you can use that to your advantage if you test the spent irrigation water and the nice thing too about water sampling is you can filter it so you can get incredibly high volumes of water um, that you're testing and so it's not 
it's not it's not that hard to i mean it's, it's not easy to do but it's 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 possible and and we know that it works so yeah shame on you sun sprouts yeah not not good anyway that was we we haven't had a really bad morning letter for a while but again i i like to talk about these here don because if i was a sprouter i would know exactly what fda is looking for if like for me to follow right like just by reading right. this warning letter right like I, right. it's right. it's this would be if if someone came to me with an extension question and was like hey i'm starting a sprout um you know some sort of a sprout uh business sprouting business what should i be worried about from a food safety standpoint i would send them the sprout alliance sprout safety alliance materials yeah. and then i'd send them this warning letter and be like here you go like like the the uh, the alliance materials detail what you should be doing and here's what happens when when um when FDA goes out there yeah. yeah and it's not good um so um yeah uh okay i've got a question for you and i'm gonna I'm, we're gonna do a little protect the um the innocent because i i don't mm -hmm. i don't have i i this just rolled into me okay. um right before we um we we started recording and I thought I would like to talk to you about it before I give an answer. Okay. So, sure. um, this comes to us from, let's just say someone in the world of extension. Okay. Um, Dr. Chapman, a small scale importer of Mezcal from Southern Mexico has contacted our office about a product issue. Okay. Are you familiar with Mezcal at all? I, I am. I believe it is a, uh, a distilled alcoholic beverage made from uh, agave. It is. It is. It is uh, uh, kind of like tequila, I think. Well, it's, a, right? it's, a, it's, a, it's, 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 yes, it, it's, I believe it's, it's a more smoky version or it's in the tequila oh, family, but it's tequila, more smoky. According right? to uh, Mestizo Mexican market, tequila is a type uh, of mezcal. Okay. I would, well, I would say the other way around, but okay. Too. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, okay. So, oh, and so according to Wikipedia, uh, not to be confused with mescaline, which oh, is a different please. kind of compound. <laughs> oh, Don, last time I confused mezcal with mescaline, that was a, <laughs> that was a night. Let me tell you. Yeah. yeah. You were not right for several days Ooh. after that. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, the mescaline question is very popular, Don, for its unexplained, but significant color. <laughs> However, uh, uh, unexplained by well, who? Well, Don, I, let me just explain it in the next sentence. However, the manufacturer has just discovered that the color comes from the rust in the equipment they use. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Is that a safety yes. issue? Oh, wow. So, so anyway, what, how, what I, this is this is really interesting, right? Like, I don't know anything about the the company, and I, I can't tell you where you know. I, I I mean, I don't actually have any more information. I don't know anything about yeah. who the who the importer is, who the exporter is, who makes it. Um, I just know who I got the question from, and and I even from that, I probably can't glean who where who's who's doing what. But right. wh like what? So you know, what in your in your thoughts is there? Uh, a ri this is not risky or not, so mm -hmm. we don't have to answer. We can dither on this, but mm -hmm. is there is there a problem with drinking like rust tainted mezcal? Like, and I, mm -hmm. I can see from a like from a regulatory standpoint, rust is not good, right? Like, it's not cleanable and sanitizable. It can lead to debris in the product. 
but but for this type of product i just don't i don't know enough about rust and if it's if it's going to lead to some toxicity issues so well, what are your, yeah yeah and i i will say <clears throat> too this is not an fda regulated product right this would be regulated right. by um alcohol tobacco and firearms or didn't they get recently get renamed yeah um, yeah they got they lost the firearms they're yeah they're right al- alcohol tobacco bureau maybe or something like that yeah so but i so we'll we'll, we'll look that up but let me let me sort yeah. of pontificate so if i was this manufacturer the first thing i would do is i would have a bunch of products tested for heavy metals right so yeah. because yeah. we know that it's in contact with metal um, if it's iron and it's just rusting from iron, that's fine, but we just don't know. And so the simplest thing would just be to test it for heavy metals. Um, and again, I don't know enough chemistry to know like what is rust, right? Yeah, uh, like, right, what, right. like, 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 you know, chemical from a chemical composition, what is rust? Um, uh, as I don't know if you know this about rust, Ben, but it never sleeps, <laughs> Right. Well, and Don, that's a great, first of all, great, great <laughs> joke. Also great album. And I will raise you Rust Never Sleeps with what I just sent you, which is a mezcal rusty nail cocktail recipe, um, which this will be an extra, I think it's extra rusty. If, if you order, if you exactly, go, exactly. If you, if you were to order this, always get it extra rusty. That means it comes from this um, particular uh, manufacturer. Um, yeah, I so I don't know um what you know what what we're what we're talking about here. Um it, it, from a from a rat so uh, and I just found a blog post that I'm sure is fully fully vetted and very scientific. Uh the impact of metal contamination on food quality. So in this blog post, it even gives us gives us alert learning objectives how metal ion contamination can impact food quality. That's what I'm interested in. Um. Uh, yeah. Well, and you know, I, I found something, and my mine is more reputable uh, because it comes from Cornell.edu. Oh, yeah. Um, good, and good. and it is an article and, uh, created for middle and high school students uh, in 2005, entitled "What Is Rust?" Oh. <laughs> and the objective of this uh, science project or the science uh, module is to learn about how rust works and why it occurs. Um, students will understand rust as a chemical reaction. And so um, and that was came from Googling what is rust. Um, and so, right. So rust is the common name for a very common compound, iron oxide. Iron oxide is Fe2O3, right? Because iron combines readily with oxygen. So um, I think I think from a food safety perspective, it's probably fine because I don't, I mean, is iron toxic and is iron oxide toxic? Um, that would be maybe my next question. Right. And I'm thinking not, but I, it's certainly not good. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, I would want to well, look up iron oxide toxicity, I'm, I'm, but this, if this is an experiment they're, they're planning for high school students, it, it probably is not super toxic. Well, turns, it turns out, um, Iron oxides and hydro hydroxides uh, can be used as food additives. Oh well, there you go. So uh, there's. I just gave you a scientific opinion on the reevaluation of iron oxides, um, and 
So, oh, well, so here I found something from the New Jersey Department of Health and Senior Services, another reputable organization, Ben, yeah. um, which is the hazardous substance fact sheet for iron oxide. Um, and uh, basically the hazard summary says iron oxide can affect you when you breathe it in. Um, exposure to iron oxide fumes can cause metal fume fever. Not heard of that before. Um, a flu-like illness with symptoms of metallic taste, fever, chills, aches, tight, tight chest tightness, and cough. Uh, prolonged or repeated contact can discolor the eyes. Uh, ooh, that doesn't sound good. Uh, repeated exposure to iron oxide fume or dust can cause pneumo conoesis uh so so some sort of a pneumological uh lung related illness um uh it's not combustible unless it's finely power powdered um ferrous oxide as opposed to ferric oxide so ferric oxide is fe2o3 ferrous oxide is feo it's yep. extremely flammable and reactive and may ignite spontaneously in the air so i'm gonna say Probably shouldn't have it in your tequila, but probably not toxic. I mean, again, it's it, certainly don't be inhaling your tequila for a variety of reasons, um, whether it contains uh, ferrous oxide or not. Um, but yeah, I, um, I, I can't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Uh, yeah, I, I, this is not risky or not. And perhaps we should yeah. do this as an episode of risky or not, but uh yeah i don't know like what would be what's the we need now i need to refine my search and look for oral toxicity of iron well oxide. i found i found oh. a little bit of this for Good. us so yeah in the efsa journal of two of them yep. sort of the reevaluation and safety and efficacy of and this is the additives that mm -hmm. are iron oxides there's three of them yep. red yellow and black they're used as colors so i mean essentially oh, that's okay. what's happening here so, right well and like, so so yeah. yeah so so right so now we have an even clearer path for the the company yeah. certainly go ahead and test for heavy metals i think that's a good idea but also like measure the concentration and and if it's below the levels that are allowed i don't know maybe maybe clean up your rusty tequila tank and if you want to get the color um you should use some of these chemical these colorings <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, exa that's exactly what I what I'm what I was thinking here is that you could maybe um, get that same unique color and not have really bad falling apart equipment, right? That could be clean and sanitized better. Um, the fact that it's rusty. So this is, um, yeah, th this kind of goes through um, here in part three, I think it is is the safety area, toxicology of iron oxides. Essentially, it says that iron is not well absorbed in the body. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's a good thing for us yep. in this, yep. in this uh, um, uh, case. Concerning long-term toxicity and carcinogenity, no adverse effects were reported in 10 dogs maintained from one to nine years. Okay, well, it's good. good. That, that, that was a surprise. I didn't think it was going to uh, just go with, with dogs. Um, essentially, this panel who evaluated said that they don't have concerns of safety as it's used as an, as an additive. So, so I, yeah, I mean, I've got my answer, I think, right? It's, yeah. And yeah. And, and it's, uh, it's been, <clears throat> they've been approved for use in Europe for years, uh, but I did find um, a webpage from Sentient Food Colors, which is a food coloring company 
um, a company that sells food colors that we've worked with for many years when we were still teaching our Introduction to Food Science course. They, they gave a great lecture on uh, natural and artificial colors. And they, they write in their website on March 20th, 2015, uh, red, yellow, and black iron oxides were approved as exempt from certification, i.e. natural colors by the FDA for use in soft and hard candy, mints, and chewing gum. So obviously, if you're going to use it in tequila, that's a separate process. But um, yeah, I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking there's a, I don't know if there's a way to being able to sell this product, but certainly there's a way towards being able to show that it, it is safe or could be, could be made in a way that was safe. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, this is, this is good. Um, okay, good. Thanks, Don. You helped me, uh, help me do my work, my work today. <laughs> so do you, and in the message to you, it was not revealed what brand this was, right? Nope. No, I didn't get anything like that. Only, uh, only reason why I I ask is that my uh, my younger son in particular is a real fan of mezcal. So he, if whatever brand it is, if it's one of those fancy brands, he's probably heard of it. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe I'll find that out and uh, and I'll share that. Um, yeah. And I think it was really interesting that it came through. Like, it must be the importer that's dealing with this here, right? In, yes. Right. Yeah. Which is which is kind of interesting. Um, so. Good, yeah, good, good stuff um, uh, on this. Thank, thank you. That's that's why we do the show, Don. It's you're my you're my chat GPT, but you're like uh, you're like a real person. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, speaking of which, I, I listened to a really interesting episode of the Daily yesterday uh, mm. about AI and uh, James James Hinton, I believe his name mm. is, um, who who is very concerned about AI um, taking over. Uh, but, okay. but it was, but anyway, it was it, like, it, it actually Jeffrey Hint, Hinton, sorry. Um, okay. but what, what I really enjoyed about, um, this is the chat GPT AI, um, uh, portion of our show. What I really liked about it was about how he described how neural networks, like digital neural networks are, are, were developed. Um, cause I didn't really know much about that. So, um, so we'll, we'll link to Jeffrey Hinton in the, in an episode of the daily. So, so, you know, related to, uh, so there is still a Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives, but their mission in the area of alcohol and tobacco is to target, identify and dismantle criminal enterprises with ties to violent crime that traffic illicit liquor or contraband tobacco. Ooh. So, so they still exist, but their, but their alcohol and tobacco mission has, has pivoted. And then I don't, I'm still on the way to finding out who actually regulates this stuff. Um, yeah, uh, but, but yes, I did find something right before, let me see if I can find it right before we got, um, we got talking that it is like the, the FDA has a, um, an agreement with, with, uh, the alcohol people. Alcohol, okay. Alcohol, yeah. Um, I think this is it. Oh, okay. So it's out. Al it's the Alcohol and Tobacco Tax and Trade Bureau. That's the, it. The yes, TTB. Yes. That's the new. That's the new organization that regulates uh, regulates those industries. Yep. Yep. And uh, it's uh, um, yeah. The FDA. Uh, the regulatory divide between the TTB and the FDA boils down to statutory definitions. Um, the TTB has regulatory jurisdiction over distilled spirits, which this would be, um, yep. and the, um, food, drug and, and, um, uh, yeah, uh, 
Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act is, is does not, but they do talk to each other. FDA, um, yeah, alcohol beverages, they 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 would consult with each other on something like this, apparently. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I would hope so, right? I mean, you know, FDA certainly has experts on toxicology of things that you ingest, orally ingest. So, yeah, let's let's hope that they would work together once they figure out, you know, they have their, uh, you know, their their PhD measuring contest. <laughs> take take out just enough of the diploma to to, to beat them. Yeah. Uh, um. There's something I had, you know how how I love my um, saved stories. Well, while while you're while you're doing that, um, can I? There's something I want to talk about. Yeah, that's okay. Of course, this is your show. So, I'm just a guest. So I saw this. This came uh, from again from from Bill Marler's uh, wonderful um, blog. Uh, basically, morbidity and mortality weekly reports. Uh, they they have their foodborne uh, FDA or C- FDA and CDC CDC and FDA came out with their foodborne illness outbreaks at retail food establishments 2017 2019 report. And, um, and just to, to start with Bill's takeaway, because he's the reason why I saw this, because unlike you, I don't have a, uh, MMWR mug and, uh, you know, not on a first name basis with those people. Sorry. So I don't, I, I don't read, I don't read their journal. You know, I, I wait for somebody to send me to their, to that. Yeah. Journal. Do you so, hear that? Um, you hear that? That's my I, mug. I do. I do. Nice. Mug. Thanks. Thanks for that. Thanks for that. I, I hear what you want to hear my mug. Here's, here's my mug. <laughs> Oh, nice, mine's, nice. An em- mine's an ember mug. It's very yeah. nice. I like it. Uh, keeps my uh, beverages warm. Um, so uh, Bill's uh, top line takeaway summary, hand washing, sick leave policies and vaccinate your employees against hepatitis A. So that's uh, that's will uh, you know, that that's that's Bill's uh, that's Bill's takeaway. But um, the uh, the the article in the, the I sort of gave the summary of it, but the actual title is somewhat longer. Um, but, uh, there's a bunch of people, uh, who wrote this and, uh, I know, I know two of them. I know the, uh, penultimate author, Adam Kramer, and, uh, we both know the senior oh. author, uh, Laura Green Brown. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, and so this is a really nice, uh, summary of, of what happened, um, at these operations and what caused, what caused the people to get sick. And so, um, it's a long article. I don't want to obviously read too much from the article, but I do want to indicate what I like is to know like what, where are the, where are like most of the, what's, what's causing most of the problems. Right. And so the, um, uh, the number of outbreaks. And so CDC has something which often is mis misreferenced as risk factors, uh, CDC prefers to use the term contributing factor, and there there's a whole bunch of contributing factors, and we'll link to the webpage that gives the most recent set of conditions. And so they have a bunch of contamination factors. Uh, let's see, how many contamination factors do they have? They have 15 contamination factors identified by C1 to C15. They have proliferation and amplification factors, uh, which, of course, only relate to things that can proliferate or amplify, i.e. bacteria. And there are 
looks like 12 of those proliferation factors. And then you have what are called survival factors, which CDC indicates are from primarily bacterial outbreaks. And there's five survival factors. And so you have to have to kind of have that table up to, to cross reference if you're going to look at this other document. And we'll, we'll link to all of this. But the um, they had 104 outbreaks with the the contributing factor C12, right? And C12 is other mode of contamination, <laughs> excluding cross-contamination by a food handler, worker, or preparer who was suspected to have an infectious illness. And so you kind of have to go back and, and dig into, like, what does that mean? Well, it means that a worker was suspected to be infectious, Um uh, and, and another mode of contamination other than bare hand contact or gloved hand contact. And so basically what this means is in a norovirus outbreak, an ill worker's aerosol vomitus contaminated the ready to eat food, right? Or epidemiological or environmental investigation determines that an infectious food worker contaminates food with his or her hands, but is unable to determine whether or not actual bare hand contact or gloved hand contact contaminated the food. Now, what I would say is, I think Bill and Bill nails it right in his takeaway message, right? Sick leave policies. See, here's the thing, Ben, and I've taken to saying this on a regular basis to people anytime they'll listen to me. I don't care how well you wash your hands. If you are sick, I don't want you around my food being prepared, right? If you are an employee who is sick, don't touch my food. If you're even if you are an employee who is sick who's been assigned other duties in the restaurant, I really don't want that either because here's the thing, you might be Pick, dumping, uh, emptying the trash, but if you're in the kitchen picking up the kitchen trash and you vomit, it doesn't matter that you weren't handling food. You just you just aerosoled uh, norovirus um, into the food production environment. So yeah, don't bring it here, right? Yeah. Like yeah. Um, oh man, that's that's interesting. Yeah, really good. As always, the these studies provide good insights into things that should be paid attention to at restaurants, right? Like, right, like exactly. how, yeah. And, and yeah. Um, okay. I got, I got something for you. We're going to switch, switch sure. streams here. Um, what, what's your, what's your favorite, um, <laughs> what's your favorite saying about mushroom foragers? Oh, um, so there are old mushroom hunters. There are bold mushroom hunters but there are no old, bold mushroom hunters. Yes. I just wanted you to say that joke because I love it and I use it it's all a the very time. Good, it's a very good line. It is very good. And I, I, someone at a food safety meeting mentioned that we that you said that, and I was like, I know, I love it. Um, and I can't remember what it was. <laughs> anyway, so um, not this is not about forage mushrooms, but I, have a, I got a theory on this. So okay. I just sent you a link to an outbreak um, that came across, I don't know, somewhere that I was reading about. Uh, last uh, a couple of weeks ago, well, about yeah, I, I think I saw this. Maybe maybe you mentioned it on Twitter. Um, yeah, it, maybe it does it, Dave Sushi and Bozeman. Yeah, yeah, thirty uh, illnesses, two deaths. Oof. Uh, yeah. and and so it what what has been there? There's a couple things uh, going on here. So the I'll send you. There's an FDA report which I really love. Like FDA got involved in this right up front. Um, and and they're they've got um. 
similar to what they did with Daily Harvest, like this isn't, it's interesting, like FD, it, CDC doesn't have this as an outbreak because there's not an like an, uh, an agent that's linked to this. We don't actually know what's causing these illnesses, but it appears that um, eating morals, morels how would you say mm-hmm. that? morals morals i think it's pronounced i think it's morels morels okay well, well morals we'll, are something that you don't have if you're an immoral person well and a morale is something that that you, you eat if you like eat, mushrooms if yeah. you like mushrooms yeah so a uh, morale mushroom this is from fda uh, morale mushrooms are generally considered safe to eat but but they may contain some toxins that can cause health problems um, and the toxins are not fully understood. And I'm going to link to a paper here in a second on this, but, um, uh, it looks like the morale mushrooms were served at this restaurant, uh, were distributed to multiple States, but it appears that it's a localized issue. So it's not like it came from a distributor. These were cultivated in, in China, according to, um, the Bozeman daily Chronicle, but the only illnesses that have popped up were the ones that were shipped to Dave's sushi restaurant, which is kind of an interesting, um, situation. Right. But as I read a little bit more about this and wanted to start making some notes, I learned this and now it's not from our favorite group of journals. And again, for those who listen to the show, know that that's MDPI. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's a, 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 a MDPI has probably the greatest journal names. Like they have foods. One of their journals is just called Toxins. Um, and so this was published a couple of years ago. Warning on false or true morels and button mushrooms with potential toxicity linked to hydrazinic toxins and update. So when I was Googling around about morels and toxicity, I found this. There's a lot of references that are not MDPI. But what I want you to take out of this, Don, is that there are real, what, what are called true morels mm-hmm. that can have some toxicity. And in, in, in this article, they detail some, some illnesses from that. But much more common are false morels, which right. look like morels. Could be cultivated like morels, may even yeah. come from um, contamination of morel stock mm. that are really, really poisonous. That mm. that might be what we're looking at here too. And I just I, I found that interesting. Like I never thought of false morels. Um, I've seen morels growing. I think in in the wild. Have you have you ever seen them? Well, probably. <laughs> But again, I I don't I don't get close because I don't want to I don't like mushrooms and also they can be toxic. So yeah, yeah. So I um I've seen them, um not not here, but I I'm gonna send you a link. Um I do I, uh, a couple times a year I do some mountain biking in West Virginia, and one of the uh, trails that I'm that I bike on regularly, I've seen a bunch of morale mushrooms just you know. Um, or, and now that I'm concerned, I would never eat them, but they look like this, but maybe they were false morels and they're just growing mm-hmm. on the side of the trail. Yeah. So yeah, there you yeah, go. They're, they're, they're a cool looking, uh, cool looking critter. So, um, you know, um, one, I, I don't know if I've ever told this story before, but every time I think of mushrooms, I think of this story and I, I was quite young at the time and I was walking along again, you're, you're talking about walking along or, or riding along and, and looking at the side. So, um, we were walking along as my dad and I, and maybe other family members were there as well. And it, there was a chipmunk that was eating a mushroom. 
Um, and we get to talking about how mushrooms are toxic and uh, how the this the, these chipmunks or whatever it was, this this critter was, you know, could eat the mushroom. And I said to my dad, I said, so if people started eating the mushrooms, eventually um, we would become, you know, immune to the effects too. And he laughed and he said, yes, but it would take a really, really long time and a lot of people would die. <laughs> I'm like okay, evolution, That's, evolution, evolution. It does not work on a on a on a small time scale, or it, it may not work <laughs> on a small time scale. So I just I just I, and I'm probably misremembering like 50 percent of that story. But every time That's I think perfect. about mushrooms, I think about my dad telling me that yes, it, it, it what I was saying was a true statement, but that it was not as easy as I thought. Yeah, well, it it's not. It'll just take longer than you think. Uh, yeah, and there yeah. and and there there will be um, societal loss uh, from it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, easy, easy is a, that's a value judgment. Uh, <laughs> uh, so cool. Um, is there, was there anything else? I've got a heart out here in about 15 minutes. So yeah. I don't know if is no, there anything I just, else. I just want, I definitely wanted to cover the CDC stuff. And so, yeah. oh, the other thing I will say just to kind of close the loop finally on mushrooms. One of the things that I thought was really interesting, which, and I did talk to somebody about this and I don't remember who or where, but that it might actually just be true morels but it's just that and i didn't realize this until digging into this outbreak is even true morels you have to properly cook them because even in in these quote-unquote safe mushrooms there is still these these toxic compounds and so i just immediately thought oh it's it's the wrong kind of mushrooms but it might actually be the right kind of mushrooms wrongly prepared yeah right right right. and that was kind of what i gleaned from the fda investigation is that it, you know, there, we don't, there's a lot of variability in, in what specific right. toxins might be there and how right. much uh, might might be there. So, right. yeah, I like I like are you a mushroom? Are you a mushroom eater? I really like. No, mushrooms. I am. I I do not like mushrooms. It's a, it, we've talked about this before on the podcast. I, I, I'm sure I've forgotten. My, yeah. my, my wife loves mushrooms. She does not understand why I don't like mushrooms. It's a source of I wouldn't say consternation it is it is a regular topic and what we've decided is i don't mind the flavor of mushrooms i just don't like the texture and the flavor together and so the solution is that either the mushrooms in the foods that she prepares are really big so i can pick them out or they're really small so i don't notice them um so what my philosophy is make whatever you want uh, and I will eat it and I will not complain. Um, but just make the mushrooms really big or really small. And, uh, and she, and she loves mushrooms. So she's always happy for me to pick out the mushrooms yeah. and give them to her because that's just more mushrooms for her. I like it. I'm a, I'm a mushroom. Well, I, I lucked into, um, both Danny and I are, are into mushrooms and I, I, me, me more than her, there, there's something mm. about the meaty umami that mm-hmm. I really, I really, really like. Yeah. And I do, I, I will say too, in terms of mushrooms, um, it's, I really don't like agaricus bisporus, which is the common button mushroom, but I do like shiitake mushrooms and, and some of the more weird, uh, er mushrooms I, 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 I like, again, I don't care to, uh, eat any mushrooms from, uh, old or bold mushroom hunters. Uh, thank you very much. But um, yeah, shiitakes are good. Um, just don't like the generic, generic, uh, uh, you know, button mushroom. Yeah, well, that's that's interesting, huh? Because those are, I, they're not, um, they're not that different to me. Like, like a mm-hmm. you know, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Huh. All right. Well, I think the I think this is another episode of Food Safety Talk. Um, 
which is now right. what we say. We don't say that here. So I'll just, I'll, you know, cut marker, cut that. Uh, <laughs> is that how that works? I don't, I, maybe. Sure. Uh, sure. Okay. All right. Well, um, I got to go. Bye. 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 <laughs>getting into some challenging times for scheduling i believe yeah we are so when do you go to japan i go to japan um the week of the 12th okay what is the week of the 19th like for you pretty good okay good because we'll we'll be good because i got two episodes to to go so that would that would work great um i'm going to be I could do the, I think I can do the 19th. We're going to West Virginia. Speaking of which, I'm mm. in West Virginia that weekend. Um, now that is also Juneteenth. It is. Yes. Yeah, so let's not do that. Let's not, not do Juneteenth. I will be, I'm going to DC the 20th and 21st. Okay. But back on the 22nd, I could do, I don't think I need to. Yeah, so I, I'm not available on the 23rd because we are going up to Ithaca for my dad's um, oh, memorial service. So cool. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. Um, um, so, I, but I, I'm I've got I'm I'm doing an IAFP webinar on the 22nd, um, but uh, I'm free other than let's say 11 to one. Okay, why don't we go? Is nine to eleven good, or do you need more time? Well, before? I, it needs to. It needs to not be so tight because I. Yeah. I, need to, I mean, I'm sure it'll be fine. But if we did eight thirty to ten thirty, that should work. Yeah, eight thirty to ten thirty should work. I have a someone's put something on my calendar for that day. I don't even know if I need to go to it. So, okay. so we pencil me, it in, and then we'll. Yeah, let's do this. Eight thirty to ten thirty, and then yeah, that'll be okay. And I'll find out if I need to move it. Okay. Yeah. Cause I mean, it would be, I wouldn't, it would be better to yeah. from a scheduling point of view to do it in the afternoon. Um, for me, just because then we don't have to rush, but yeah, yeah, no, that, that'll be, that'll be fine. But, but I can't do the, leave it as at eight. So you can't do it in the afternoon. Okay. Well, I could, no, actually, let me go back. Let me go back. I could, I just can't do it until two 30. Oh, well, you want to just do, you want to do it at two 30? Yeah. Yep, let's yeah, let's just schedule it for 2.30.
That's easy. It's perfect. Yeah. And then, then, and then whatever your conflict is, you don't have to even worry about what your conflict is or do you? My conflict. No, I, I'll, I'll, I will still, I don't want to go to it. So I'm going to try and get out of it anyway. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. But then this will open up time for me to do something else. Yeah. Cool. Okay. It's 2.30, June 22nd. Got it. Perfect. Done. Um, I will. Oh yeah. So I haven't, I, I got to go. Um, perfect. Oh, I just locked my calendar up. That I don't know. That doesn't happen often. Oh, cool. Um, cool. Okay. Now it's open. We're good to go. Uh, I, I ordered a, I ordered a treat and that's, that's, that, that, that shipped today. Um, and I just, is it, as we is were, it the new, is it the new Apple VR headset? No, no, but I'm, I'm into that too. Um, <clears throat> no, I got myself a, I got myself a big boy, um, big boy watch. Oh, I nice. Got the, I got the ultra. It's on its ultra way. for all your ultra sports that you do. From yeah. A, from ultra sports. I'm really excited. And it's, yeah, it's the, the um, yeah. So it's coming. I I'm, should have it I'm, tomorrow. I'm, I'm very interested to hear what you think of it. My, my older son got one, um, not because he's into ultra sports, but he's just really into technology and it, it looks good. It's a nice looking it looks, watch. It looks good on his wrist. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm looking for a reason to get one. So, well, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a reason to get one in a, in a like in about 24 hours. I'm excited. Perfect. I'm also, Perfect. I'm also about to go get a, so, you know, I've been holding out for a MacBook air that is, um, like small, like a, like a 12 inch or 13 inch that doesn't exist. Right. right. So I, or maybe a, an 11 inch or 12 inch. Um, so I think I'm going to go get the 13 inch. Um, cause there's, I got, I got some end of the fiscal year technology dollars I got to spend. So yep. I might have, it might be a, it might be a treat week, treat week. Nice. Yep. I like, I like treats. Um, <laughs> cool. All You're right. Good boy. And you deserve a treat. I do. I do. I really do. Uh, uh, cool. All right. Oh, oh. all right. You, yeah. Wait, I, speaking of treats, I have something to send you. Can you text me your address when you get a chance? Sure. Home address. <laughs> okay. Well, that's cause that's the, yeah. Well, I'm not sending it to your office. You're never going to go there. Yeah. Whenever you go there, you go there once, a, once a month or something. I don't know whether, what whether it needs, whether I need it or not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Okay. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye.